Ramble. One guaranteed way to make me cry is just remind me of the lifespan of dogs compared to most humans. Listen, my dogs, Mango, I know, Rotten Mango, and Tiger have been with me since before I started YouTube, before this podcast, and I truly don't know where I would be without them. But like, all I can do right now is spend time with them, take care of them so that they live the happiest and healthiest life that I can give them. Farmer's Dog is such a huge part of that. Farmer's Dog makes it easy to keep your dogs healthy, which can give you more quality years with them. So Farmer's Dog, they make and deliver fresh, healthy dog food, and it's recommended by vets. My vet literally recommended me Farmer's Dog. It's nutritionally balanced and made from human-grade ingredients in safe, clean kitchens. Tiffany has been bringing Cola, her French bulldog, over, and she keeps some of his food at her house. She said that she's been having such a hard time trying to get him to eat, so I offered her some of Mango's food to give to him. She was amazed. She said that she's never seen Cola so pumped for food. Farmer's Dog is the best option for dogs at all life stages because it's it's not kibble, it's not canned goop, it's real food. With traditional dry or even wet food options, they're extremely processed. I mean, I can hardly understand the ingredients that go into it, and it's really hard to portion. It's difficult to understand if my dogs are getting the nutrients that they need. Farmer's Dog comes pre-portioned, and it's based on my dog's unique nutritional needs. So Mango and Tiger, they eat different meals, and it's so cool. Farmer's Dog is like human-grade food made in safe kitchens. My dogs have been on Farmer's Dog for years now, ever since Mango was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, and I just noticed so many changes. They've got a healthier coat, healthier skin, their breath is better, and right now, you can get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash mango. Let the Farmer's Dog know that we sent you. So use our code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash mango. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Spookvember. Okay, um, listen, I thought that genuinely I was going to be really sad after Spooktober ended. I thought there was going to be like this emotional letdown where I'm like, oh my gosh, I love Spooktober. But I realized actually November is just as spooky. And I don't know if it has anything to do with the political climate. I don't know if it's <laughs> got to do with just the way 2020 been going. But I actually feel a lot spookier than I did in October. So today's story is going to be wild and I have a feeling that my fiance is going to love this one and all of my future true crime detectives or maybe possibly current true crime detectives are really going to love this one because as you listen to this story there are already so many things that you can point out along the way that just feel uneasy why do you think I will like it? I think you'll have a fun time trying to figure out the real story. This, uh, there are so many variations of this story that is told before we get to the real crime, before we really know what exactly happened. And this is the Lululemon murder. I'm just going to say this um, just flat out, straight up, it's nothing, nothing in this world. Taco Bell, okay? Fucking nuclear noodles. Nothing in this world makes me gassier than Lululemon yoga pants. I don't know what it is. The minute that I put those on, I'm farting. I don't know if it's like the fact that Lululemon's like, you're going to look slim thick. And then like the butt part is just filled with my farts. I have no idea, genuinely. But anytime I put those suckers on, I have to fart nonstop. So you think you just don't have what it takes? I think, honestly, my physical body is rejecting Lululemon because if you don't know, the CEO uh, is uh, slightly racist towards Asians. 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So um, I didn't know this. When I first started getting stuff from Lululemon, like my fiance has some things from Lululemon, and I recently stopped shopping there because the dude literally came out and said that he made Lululemon the name of the store. Everyone's like, what does that mean? Like, do you, are, is, you know, is your daughter's name Lulu and you just fucking love lemons? Like, why not Lululime? You know, what's the deal? And he said it's because he likes listening to Japanese people try to pronounce the word because there's no L in the Japanese language. So they say Ruru Remen. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> and no it's just way. like, how can you be so straight up racist? How does that make sense? Uh, yeah, and then also you another yes, also another fun fact about Lululemon that I found during my research is that, you know, when you get one of those um, CT scans, you're not allowed to have any metal in you. Yeah. Like, because it'll literally go up to the top of the CT scan. Like, if you have nipple piercings, your nips are going to be at the top of the CT monitor. <laughs> like, they're going to be ripped <laughs> off of your body, right? And for some reason, like this doctor went on there and multiple doctors like fact checked or confirmed i mean it's not necessarily like evidence but they said something about lululemon i don't know if there's like metal in their fibers of the leggings Uh but they always ask their patients if they're wearing lululemon yoga pants because then you got to take it off they've seen lots of women come out there with like small burns on their legs after being in the ct machine it's weird right weird 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 and you know i think this is all just all of us rejecting the fact that there's yoga pants that are worth a hundred dollars out there i don't believe it okay we're just all literally physically rejecting that idea (laughs) so this is the lululemon murder it's gonna get weird because i mean when i say lululemon murder what are you picturing are you picturing someone like just like a fit housewife go in a fucking spin class and then murdering people I yeah. just burped. I'm telling you, just thinking about Lululemon is making me gassy. <laughs> so this all takes place in Bethesda Row of Maryland. Now, Bethesda, if you have to describe a comfortable town, I mean, the fact that there is a fucking Lululemon right next to an Apple store should kind of tell you what kind of town this is. This is a yes. relatively, you know, middle to upper class town. They've got a fucking Apple store. It's an outdoor Apple store. It's not even like inside of a mall. It's like an outdoor one. So it's a bougie town, okay? Like literally nothing happens in Bethesda. I can't even say it. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing happens in Bethesda. Except he's literally whispering Bethesda. 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 It's a bougie name. Bethesda. March 12th of 2011. So it really was not that long ago. Mm-hmm. On Bethesda Row of Maryland, there's like this outdoor shopping mall. Lululemon is right next to the Apple store, like I said. And Rachel, who happens to be a store manager at that Lululemon, she was opening up and it was around 8 in the morning. So she's walking mm-hmm. her way to fucking Lululemon 8 in the morning with her little yoga pants on. She's got her key in her hand. And as she's about to open the door, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, by the way, just a side note, as she's passing through I- Apple to get to Lululemon, Mm -hmm. Um, It was a new iPad launch. This is kind of pertinent to the story. So there was like a Mm -hmm. string of people lined up outside. And this is when like iPad was like the newest thing. I think this was like iPad 2. So this is like Mm -hmm. the second generation. So everyone was like, fuck yeah, give me an iPad. And it was just like rows of people lined up. Some of them had actually been lined up since the night before, like early in the morning. Like I want to say like five o'clock in the morning. Okay. And so she's walking past all these people with her little key in her hand. And as she gets to the front door of the Lululemon store, the door is already unlocked. So she's like, you know what? 
someone's getting fired. You know, it didn't look like there was a break in. There was no glass shattered. So she's like, somebody, some bits is really getting fired today. Wait, because, she's the manager, right? Yeah. Because okay. she's like, how did the closing shift not lock up? Yeah. Like, that's like the most important thing ever. <laughs> and so she's like, all right, all right. Let me see who was on the schedule last night. She's like getting all intense. And initially, when she walked into the store, she realized that some of the clothing was just hanging off the hangers. Like, it was on the ground. The hanger was just still hung up. Some things were knocked over. There was like a clothing rail that was knocked over. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it wasn't necessarily ransacked, but it's definitely alarming. It's one thing to not lock the door, but it's another thing to like have things knocked over in the store. So she's mm-hmm. thinking to herself, oh, okay, maybe it's not that my coworkers forgot to lock the door. Maybe maybe something happened uh-huh. and so she's like looking around and that's when she's like okay i definitely think that this is unsettling like i shouldn't be in here by myself right now because i don't know if someone's hiding in here waiting for me i don't know if someone's still in here i don't know what's going on like personally i would never <laughs> and mm. i worked retail and i just would never i would run back out and be like not nah, today i'm calling my boss okay i don't get paid enough to go in there and put my life on the line to be like so what does I that wonder. mean it w- looks like there's someone <laughs> like fell fought in there or like, like what, it what doesn't does mean? i mean it's like weird because i saw pictures of it and if i saw it i would think that they probably robbed the place and already left oh uh. But it doesn't look like they trashed it. So it looks like maybe they were going in for like registers instead of clothing items and Uh actual merchandise because it didn't look like someone went through all the merchandise like, where's the newest yoga pants? I need to find it. You know, (laughs) Um, it looked like, you know, they were just kind of running about and some things got knocked over. Imagine what I'm imagining. The best way to describe this, you know, listen, I'm trying to up my description skills because this is a podcast. Imagine you've got this giant Doberman who's like completely out of control and you walk into lululemon and that doberman smells a treat so it just starts running around and you're getting dragged behind so Mm. that dog knocks over something you kind of trip over it and then you knock down a couple shirts but it's not necessarily like Mm. a fucking fight happened got it exactly so good (laughs) that's so good good. and so she immediately runs outside and she starts like kind of like she's just a little bit shocked like okay what do i do what do i do what's the next step should i go back in there and Mm -hmm. that's when a guy by the name of ryan huff he was waiting in line for the new ipad 2 and he walks out of the line listen uh, that's not normal (laughs) that's not normal like (laughs) no ryan's a good dude okay ryan's a good dude or is he i'm kidding um so then ryan walks out of the line now i don't know if he was like save my spot guys right but he walks out of the line and he asks rachel if she's okay Uh and so he's like hey like are you okay um she definitely looked really frazzled so it wasn't weird like everyone was looking at her like uh she probably saw some shit in there Uh right because they saw her just open the door and she kind of like frantically tells him the situation of like oh my god like there's like things knocked over in there i don't know if someone's already in there like i don't know what to do i don't know what to do did you see anyone who was coming into the lululemon store like how how long have you been here and he was like oh i've been waiting in line for like at least an hour and Uh no none of us saw anyone in and out in or out of the store so she's like what okay this is so weird this okay what do i do she's like panicking and he's like calm down it's okay like do you want me to go in there with you to see if you know what happened Mm -hmm. and so she's like okay yeah yeah that's amazing right so ryan starts walking in first into the lululemon store and just as rachel had seen he saw kind of like the things knocked over tipped over not a big deal right Mm -hmm. up until he gets to the back of the store and he sees that the registers i mean the registers were open there were Mm. three small safes below the registers that were completely open and empty there were pretty much receipts thrown everywhere it's kind of clear that this was a robbery at the point right Mm -hmm. and as 
as he sees that, he starts walking towards the back more, like where the changing rooms are. Mm-hmm. And there's just tons of shattered glass and just tons of blood. When I say tons of blood, there was blood splattered on the walls up to six feet tall. I'm, I'm five foot like two. Six feet tall. So you're talking heavy impact blows. Like there's just, I mean, it was splattered. If you guys Google the Lululemon murder, you're going to see these on the images. So just be warned. If you don't have the stomach to look at blood or just other crime scene evidence photos, don't, don't Google it. And there were even like little hand marks on blood on the wall. Like not necessarily like a handprint, but like a hand swipe. Like someone with bloody handprints was like grabbing onto the wall. It looked insane. The trail of blood was literally headed towards the back of the store. So he's like, okay, like this is really bad. And on the blood on the floor, it looked like someone had been dragged through the blood to the back. So he's like, this is crazy. Even in the blood, Not only were there drag marts, but there were multiple footprints. So he's like, what the fuck am I seeing, dude? I'm sorry. I'm cussing a lot in this one. But like, this is probably one of the most brutal crime scenes that I've. Okay, well, (laughs) maybe not necessarily. But like in terms of not like a serial killer who literally has practiced this for years, you know, type of situation. Uh This is weird, especially in a Lululemon store. Just imagine that. Imagine the last time you were in a Lululemon store. Okay. And so he's like, okay, this is weird. So he walks further back where the blood trail was leading to. And this is weird because, you know, they were expecting a robbery. Worst case scenario, they were expecting a robbery. They were not expecting this much blood. Yeah. And so he goes into the back and that's when he sees a dead body laying in a pool of blood face down. And when I say a pool of blood, I mean a fucking thick pool of blood. I'm talking white water ocean pool. It's a weird pool. I mean, it's a huge pool. Like, it's a lot of blood. There was a rope around the neck of the body. They were clearly deceased. Like, there was no signs of life. Absolutely. You couldn't even... um, the head was bashed in. But they can't tell who it is. They can't tell who it is. Well, Ryan was the only one that saw. So okay. Rachel was like waiting in the front. Wow. And um, so he sees that and he's panicking. He's like, I got to go freaking tell Rachel. I got to run out of here because I don't know what the fuck's happening. And that's when he hears some moaning. So he's like, <gasps> oh, my God. And this is when I guess like his real courage just stepped in because, listen, I would never. <laughs> but he did. And he was like, OK, someone might need my help. Like someone might need medical attention. It didn't sound like a grunting like, oh, you better get out of here. I'm going to kill you too it sounded like help like i'm another victim here right Uh and so he followed the moaning the light sounds of the moaning and he went into the employee bathroom and that's where he found another body and this body also had slashes all over them arms legs chest there was a huge cut on her forehead she was bound by zip ties her arms were above her head her legs were zip tied and there was a lot of blood not as much as the first um body that he found but there was still a lot of blood and there was a huge hole in her yoga pants her black yoga pants that she was wearing and there was i mean the hole was at the crotch so it it completely exposed her genitals like her underwear had been cut through as well and she was still alive so this is when he's like holy shit okay like we need 911 we need a bajillion ambulances we need this asap so he sprints towards the front to rachel and she's on the phone with the police and she's like okay well we need an ambulance now because this guy is telling me like there's people in there like please get the ambulance 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 please right yeah and they realize well ryan realizes 
that this is a murder and a sexual assault case and the person is still alive. So, I mean, it's just a shit show. So after Rachel gets off of the phone call with 911, they're headed uh-huh. their way. She realizes that the two people must have been the two people that were closing yesterday. Oh she God. realized it was Jaina Murray. Um, Jaina Murray, she's 30 years old. And she was kind of like a manager level. She wasn't as high up as Rachel, but she was some sort of like manager, not like a general manager, right? And then 28-year-old Brittany Norwood, she was the one who was still alive. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's going to get crazy. Now, just to give you some info on Jaina Murray, because I feel like it's really important to have some sort of like guidance on who these victims are, just so we can like feel something in our hearts. Now, Jaina, she was blonde, athletic, beautiful, vibrant. I mean, these are the words that people use to describe her. And she, I mean, when I say, when I say she could have owned Lululemon, like she could have owned Lululemon. So she went to George Washington University and she was currently, but when the time of the murder happened, she was working on two graduate degrees from Johns Hopkins University, the prestigious Johns Hopkins. And she was working at Lululemon as like a side job while she was finishing two degrees. Now, no offense, but these degrees were not no little like <laughs> cutesy fartsy, like mukbang degrees, you know. And so she was just always known as a straight A student. She was an overachiever and people said she was an adventurer so her 30th birthday had recently passed and she went bungee jumping for her 30th birthday she's already gone skydiving multiple times she goes rock climbing i'm not talking in a facility i'm not talking about a facility i'm talking about real rocks i'm talking about Dwayne the rock i'm just kidding (laughs) i'm kidding sorry she was a gymnast. She was a dancer. She was, she was really good at tap dancing to the point where her tap dance instructor was like, hey, you should really think about if everything else doesn't work. You could you could definitely do something on Broadway. I've never Damn, seen people tap dance like multi-talented. that. Yeah, she's traveled to every single continent except for Antarctica. So she's like wow. well-cultured, well-traveled, just, I mean, beautiful. They said that the one thing everyone described her as, which I think is so, it just kind of... It's such a good description. She has a megawatt smile. That's what everyone says. Just a megawatt smile. And she was also known to be really charismatic. And I think it had to do with the fact that she was really quick to help and trust people because she just wanted everyone around her to be successful. Like everyone, not even just like her friends and family, but like literally everyone. And that's why she was, you know, a Lululemon manager at one point. It, it, yeah. She was wonderful. Now, she also had a boyfriend who was living in Seattle at the time. His name is Frazier. They actually knew each other since the seventh grade and they they re-met at George Washington University and he actually, this is so sad, but it's so cute. That's why I'm like smiling while I'm telling it. But he was really excited because he, um, a couple months before he had planned to propose to her. So he was going ring shopping. Oh, man. Yeah. So it was, she had like a full life ahead of her, like a really full mm. life. And the only bad thing that I could find on her, the only negative thing I could find about Jaina Murray, not that I was looking, but the only thing I could find was said by herself, which was she had absolutely no sense of style. (laughs) And when everybody was asked about this, they said, no, well, I guess it didn't matter what she wore because everyone just liked being around her that we didn't even notice. (laughs) So she was a really sweet person. 
is what I'm trying to say. And then Brittany Norwood, the survivor of this vicious attack. She was 28 years old and she too came from Seattle. They did not know each other prior to this or anything like that, but she came from a huge family. I'm talking four brothers, four sisters, but they were a highly educated, big, huge, close-knit family. And they weren't per se like the richest people alive, but they were pretty well off, especially considering that they had nine kids in total. Two of them later grew up to be engineers. One of them was like a doctor. One of them was a business consultant you know and Brittany she was a high achieving student she was a soccer star during college so I mean you're talking about also highly educated incredibly smart and incredibly athletic so she had moved to Bethesda and she wanted to open up her own gym that was like her main goal right and she was going to quit Lululemon soon because she was on her way to become a personal trainer at Equinox Yeah, so she actually had her second interview scheduled for that next Monday. So she had already caught and passed the first round of interviews. And then the second interview, she couldn't attend it because she was, you know, she was suffering from a lot. So that was kind of what was going on with both of the girls. Now, I know it might be a little bit weird to say this, but I'm <laughs> I am really not a firm believer on one size fits all. Literally, I can't even find a size at Lululemon that does not make me gassy. So why is it that we're just expected to go into our little local drugstores, into our little grocery stores and walk down a shampoo aisle and just pick some shampoo? Does this shampoo bottle know who I am? Does this shampoo bottle know my hair type? Does it know like if it's dry or if it gets frizzy? Or like what my hair goals are. Unacceptable. (laughs) Unacceptable. That's why I've been using Function of Beauty for years now. And the way that Function of Beauty works is that they make personalized shampoos and conditioners that are formulated just for you. And now they actually have a lot more that can treat with your unique needs from hair to literally your little toes. So here's how it works. First, you take a quick but thorough quiz and you tell them a little bit about your hair. Next, Function of Beauty's team determines the right blend of ingredients and then they bottle your custom formula to order they'll also deliver that formula straight to your door and it comes in like these really cute customizable bottles i love them you can pick your favorite color your fragrance you can even put how much of that fragrance you want just in case you get like headaches from super strong or you're like listen i want to walk by anybody and they just smell peach that's my favorite scent by the way from them (laughs) you can also print your name on it it's really really cute and right now they're actually offering customizable body wash and body lotion i think this is my second body wash bottle i'm going through and my first body lotion that i'm going through you customize and tailor to your skin moisture levels and all these other little preferences that you have they always use clean ingredients they're cruelty free and every bottle is individually formulated for you to feel and look your best <laughs> go to functionofbeauty.com rotten to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20 percent off your first order go to functionofbeauty.com for 20 percent off and let them know that you heard about it from our show, Rotten Mango. That's functionofbeauty.com slash rotten. And so the police arrive at the scene and they were shocked on arrival. I mean, stuff like this does not happen in Bethesda and like a Lululemon store right next to literally sharing a wall with an Apple store. This is also pertinent to the story later, right? So they're completely shocked. They see Jaina Murray. She was the first person that they saw covered in red head to toe completely. They said that her face was practically bashed in. And what they found that was very peculiar and just odd was the fact that there was a toolbox on Jaina's back. So like I said, a toolbox. 
Yeah, it seemed like someone had just dropped the toolbox on the back and shoulders of Jaina at like the last minute. I don't know if that was like a sign of disrespect or like another way of hitting her. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. But it was just really, really weird. And she also had her underwear and yoga pants split open at the crotch area. She had no pulse and she was pronounced dead at the scene. Now, the toolbox is very interesting. We're going to we're going to keep coming back to this one detail. But the toolbox, there was only a couple of tools in it at the time. The rest of them were pretty much scattered around the room and they were super bloody. I'm talking there were two box cutters. There was a hammer. There was a wrench and all of them were soaked in blood. Now, the way that they found Brittany Norwood was that she had her shirt pulled up and she had her stomach exposed and she had gashes on her stomach. So someone had sliced her stomach. Her breasts were thankfully not showing and I don't think there were too many like gashes on her breast she was losing a lot of blood and her there was a lululemon tied around her neck like a shirt and it seemed like it had been taken from the store it didn't look like it was the shirt that she was wearing Uh i think it still had a tag on it to be honest and it seemed um it wasn't strangling her it wasn't choking her but it was just really tight around her neck it looked really uncomfortable and then near Brittany norwood there was a rock on the ground that was covered in blood and it looked like that was the one that inflicted the forehead injury because like i said she had this real nasty gash on her forehead and there was also like a buddha statue nearby i mean the lululemon store had like a lot of buddha statues inside of the store as display yeah so one of them had been brought into the employee bathroom because all the other employees said that they don't remember seeing that just like as a decoration in the bathroom it looked as if the Buddha statue could have also been used as a weapon. I mean, it's really hard to say because blood was splattered everywhere. So uh-huh. they're just trying to differentiate between what was used as a weapon and what else was just casually laying there and then splattered with blood, right? Yeah. There was also a hanger that was on the ground near her. And it it's a wooden hanger with the serrated ridges on the sides. I, this hanger comes into play. So you need to remember this hanger, okay? okay. So it's a wooden hanger. And you know how um, sometimes you go to those fancy clothing stores and like, all the straps there they have like the ridges on the hanger so none of the straps fall off do you know what i'm talking about yeah 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 yeah. so it was one of those and there was a bunch of like windex on the ground there was paper towels on the ground and it was weird the police also noticed that there's two different sizes of footprints one of them they speculated to be about a woman's shoe maybe a five or a six so it could have belonged to either Brittany or Jaina or somebody else and then they also found a men's shoe size of a whopping 14 they're like this is a gnarly foot size this is a huge foot like this is not your casual walking down the street like this is bigfoot no offense if you have a size 14 feet sorry (laughs) you know but it's a huge foot right um it's not your average male size so they're like okay so obviously we think that there was someone pretty big in here which they kind of already concluded looking at the damage that was done to the girls and the huge shoe theory it was weird because the footprints of that huge shoe stopped at a kitchen sink in the back so they thought okay so either this person came here took off their shoes rinsed off the blood so that they wouldn't Mm. leave any more footprints or either they took it off rinsed it off and then put them into a bag or carried them out of the lululemon now there was another thing that was weird which is at the fire exit in the very back of the store there's this fire exit door and there was blood leading up to it a lot of blood and then there was even blood on the handle of the fire exit in the back Uh but there was no blood outside like not even a little drop of blood no footprints not even a little tiny inkling they couldn't i mean they literally scoured they literally microscoped the back and they could not find any blood outside of the fire exit door so you're saying like inside the door yeah on one side there's blood yeah but outside there's no 
trace of yeah. any blood. So that's why they theorize that it was not the assailants, the perpetrators that left through the back. It wasn't the criminals that left through the back. They thought maybe one of the girls had rushed there and tried to leave or trigger the alarm because the fire door itself, it had an alarm system. So if you opened it without inserting your key first, then the uh -huh. alarm would go off, oh. right? So maybe it looked like that, but they got pulled back. Or maybe because, you know, the key was actually in the door, which they thought was also weird. They thought maybe the attackers forced one of the girls to put the key into the door and they could open it. Uh -huh. And then when they looked outside, maybe they saw a passerby. Maybe they saw it wasn't safe or maybe they saw like a security camera or something and they didn't exit through the back. Uh -huh. And there's no security camera. The whole street, which is just filled with retail shops and restaurants, yeah. the only place who has a security camera is the Apple store. Lululemon does not have security cameras. Are you serious? Yeah. So they, there's no footage of anything even there's outside? There's a little bit of footage outside from the Apple store, but it's not much. What? Yeah. So they immediately bring Brittany to the hospital and she was very, very lucky because most of the wounds were superficial. So she only had two wounds that required stitches and bandages, one on uh -huh. her forehead and one between the webbing of her hands, like in between her fingers. Uh -huh. And mainly the rest of all of those like gashes and wounds, they were pretty light. So all they had to do was like alcohol wipe them, just make sure that they're clean so it doesn't get infected. Yeah. And she was questioned immediately because they're like, we need to know everything because the people who did this are still out there. Right. Yeah. And Brittany was very shaken up, but she was still like, OK, like I'm going to I'm going to tell you everything. Right. Yeah. So she said that she was closing up the store with Jaina around 945 p.m. And that's when they separated. They literally said, OK, bye. And they locked up the door and they started walking away. Now, Brittany, she was headed to a bus. She was taking public transit transit and Jaina, she was headed towards her car. So Jaina gets in the car Brittany gets onto our bus and they go their separate ways now that's when Brittany when she gets to the bus station she realizes oh my freaking god I forgot my wallet at the Lululemon store like I don't have my metro card I don't have any cash I don't have anything to get onto this bus so she kind of freaks out because she had only been working at this Lululemon store for about six weeks now and she had to call a bunch of co-workers to get Jaina's number so like she called one, they didn't pick up because it was Friday night. She called another one, they didn't pick up. She called another one and they were like, oh, I don't have her personal number. And then she had to call multiple different coworkers because she didn't have Jaina's number, right? No freaking So way. finally she gets Jaina's number and she calls her and she's like, oh my God, like I'm so sorry, but I cannot even go home right now. I don't think anyone can come pick me up. Like, do you mind, you know, if I just meet you back at the store and you can open up the store? Now, Jaina, on the other hand, she was already like halfway home. I mean, yeah, she lived relatively close, but she was already halfway home and she was like, you know what? It's okay. I also left my laptop, which I was just going to grab in the morning tomorrow. But since you're already, you know, going, I'll go. So she's like, I'll see you at the store soon. So Jaina arrives at the store and with her car, she parks immediately in front of the Lululemon store in a no parking zone. Because, right. I mean, she's like, why am I going to go find parking? Right? right. So she parks the car. They open up the front door. They don't lock it behind them. They don't even turn on the lights because, I mean, that it's like this whole system that they have to go through, you know. Yeah. And they're literally just grabbing the wallet and the laptop. And so they're searching in the back. And I believe Jaina had grabbed her laptop and then gone towards the front while she was waiting. Uh -huh. And. And that's when, you know, she's like, OK, like what's taking so long? So she goes to the back and she's like, Brittany is like, I can't find my wallet. I don't know what to do. So she helps her look. And then finally, Jaina's like, listen, I don't think we're going to find it today. Here, just take my Metro card. So Brittany's like, oh, my God, like, thank you. 
that really means a lot. Like, thank you so much. So she grabs Jaina's Metro card and Jaina walks in front of her towards the front door so that they can leave again. Wait, and so there's currently there's no people waiting outside at Apple store? Yeah, not yet. Because okay. it was like the night that they closed. Okay. So now, oh. you know, the next morning, it's probably going to be a couple hours, right? Yeah. And that's when two men show up. And they had burst through the front door that was unlocked and they were trying to like slide behind some clothing rails and that's what like got knocked over, right? And Brittany said that they were wearing head-to-toe black clothing. They had black masks on. One of them had a black backpack on. One of them was also really, really tall, like above six feet. The other one was really, really short. And she said that she couldn't identify anything. She couldn't identify what skin color they had or anything like that. The only thing... That she said about anything, I guess, other than the clothing was the fact that by the voices, she assumed that they were Caucasian. Just by the way that they were talking, by the things that they were saying, she assumed that they were white. Mm -hmm. And one of them immediately, the big one, they punched Jaina in the head and started dragging her towards the back. The short one grabs Brittany by the hair and just started kind of like putting a knife towards her. And she was dragged to the back as well. And so at this point, she ends up in the employee bathroom. And during all of this while they're getting dragged by their hair to the back of the store they're being called dirty whores dirty bitches and so Jaina is Caucasian Jaina's white and Brittany Norwood is African-American she's black Mm -hmm. and so she was being called the n-word by these assailants by these fucking criminals they were calling her the n-word and calling her a dirty blank Mm mm-hmm and so this, I mean, what the heck, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're, they keep screaming at them. They're like, where's the money? Where's the money, right? And the, so the short one had taken Brittany and he's like, where's the freaking money? Where's the freaking money? He forces her to open the three safes that are under the register and forces her to put them into his backpack. So she's like shoveling the money into his backpack. And then he grabs her again, drags her back into the employee bathroom. And that's when she gets assaulted sexually. She was raped by this dude on the bathroom floor and during this i mean it's crazy because i can't even wrap my head around the fact that these aggressive violent misogynists exist but during the assault he was saying things like never i've never been with a dirty n-word i would never put my d in a dirty n-word but whatever like just disgusting And then he would say things very torturous, like shut up or you'll never have kids and would just start slowly cutting into her tummy. And afterwards, he um, went outside while she was like laying there crying because I I can't even imagine how traumatizing that is. He went out, grabbed a wooden hanger, came back and assaulted her with that hanger. And she said that he said he wouldn't stop until she started enjoying it. So real sick and nasty, dude. And then he hit her on the head and it was so hard that she said that she kind of like blacked out. Like she was trying to focus and pay attention because she felt like she was going to die. But she just like couldn't. It was like the weirdest thing. Now, during all of this that was happening to Brittany, she said that she heard Jaina just screaming bloody murder. Like just Jaina was not going down without a fight. And she was being dragged even when Brittany was putting money into the safe. Like she could literally see from the corner of her eye Jaina being dragged around the hallway by this big ass six foot something dude. And she could see him beat her. And slowly she said that Jaina's screams started to get fewer and less 
nobody was there in the whole mall. That's crazy because people were in the Apple store. Yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna get into it. Yeah, and so her screams just started fading off, and that's when you know. <sighs> I mean, she just said that there was so much blood. She didn't know what to do. There was just blood everywhere. You know, she was in the employee bathroom. She could see into the hallway. There was just blood everywhere. She was zip tied at her legs and her arms. And I mean, I don't know. She just kept saying there was too much blood. Like the police, they the one that interviewed her just said that she was just inconsolable. There was nothing that she could. She was just sobbing. Her shoulders were shaking. And she, at one point, they couldn't even understand her. It was a lot. And the police officer who actually was, you know, talking to Brittany didn't know the state of Jaina. She didn't know that Jaina was dead yet. Oh. And so Brittany just kept asking, like, how is Jaina? Like, where's my friend? Is she okay? Is she okay? Oh, my God. And the police officer is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out for you, right? And it just, there was a lot of survivor's guilt. So Brittany would constantly say things like, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. Because, I mean, they went back for her wallet. Whereas if she didn't forget her wallet, then maybe none of this would have oh happened, right? Gosh. And it just was a lot. The police, they kept telling her it's not your fault because, you know, you did not expect this and no one could have expected this. And also, these are criminals. Like, you are not in fault for other nasty people's behaviors. So that's what Brittany Norwood went through. And Jaina's autopsy is just going to make the story even worse. This is probably one of the most brutal autopsies that I've read in a really long time. So Jaina, she had at least 331 separate wounds. 331. What? And these are just the ones that weren't overlapping. Because think about your body. How many, how much square... How much surface area do you have, really, right? One by what, though? So many different weapons. We're going to get into it. So she had over 331 wounds. Those were all the separate wounds that weren't overlapping other wounds. So we can assume that the ballpark is much, much higher, right? And her face and neck area itself had 200 of those wounds. So you're talking, I mean, they said the quote is her face was demolished, end quote. It was brutal. Her skull suffered 13 fractures. She had, I mean, just stab wounds, beating wounds. She had 105 self-defense wounds, which means she's trying to block things with her chest and her arms and her torso, trying to protect her head and her throat. I mean, it's crazy. So the forensic analysts who did this case, they did over 3,000 autopsies before, and they said that they never seen someone with that many defensive wounds. It's insane. They also said, this is going to literally shatter your heart. It ruined my day for multiple days. But she was alive up until the last blow. What? Is what the experts concluded because none of them were fatal wounds. She was fighting throughout all of it. We can tell through all the defensive wounds that she was fighting hard. This was not like a fighting and then passed out and then the other person continued to kill them, right? This was a strong, hard fight. And she was alive up until the very, very last blow which was a three and a half inch deep blow to the back of her head and this singular stab would sever her spinal cord so that was the fatal wound and i mean 331 injuries we're talking i don't know how much that would be in time so we don't have a good estimate the police don't have a good estimate but i mean just imagine even tapping like a 
like a pen to your table without force, you know, without someone fighting you. The table's not fighting you. Imagine tapping it 331 times. It's going to be a lot. And at least five different wound patterns were seen, which means at least five different weapons were used, but they estimate up to 10 different weapons. They estimate there was a wrench, a hammer, the rope around her neck was used, razor, a razor blade, two box cutters, a serrated knife, and a metal rod are all part of the things that they suspect to be weapons. I mean, you're talking about a great deal of persistence. This is not somebody who is like, hee hee ha ha, I'm just going to like kind of hit you around while I rob this place. It seemed insane. I think the saddest part, though, I don't know why this part is so sad to me. This part broke my freaking heart. And I think I can kind of relate to it in the sense that like, you know how sometimes when you're really, I mean, I really hope that nobody really knows how this feeling is, I, like once in a blue moon, right? You get so frustrated, you kind of like grab at your hair, maybe during like a panic attack, like you're mm-hmm. kind of just like touching your face, like touching your hair. Well, Jaina had clumps of her own hair found in her hands. So it seems like it was, you know, kind of like a mixture of self-defense, like she was holding on so hard to her hair. But also, you know, a lot of people saw it as a panic mechanism, which is what a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. So that is Jaina's autopsy. And the detectives, I mean, they were shook. The main detectives on this case, the one that we're going to mainly focus on, his name is Dimitri. And I actually watched like this show who interviewed Dimitri and he's he's really interesting. He's an immigrant. He said that the only way that he would feel really, really happy in a country like America is to make, you know, it's safe for people. And he really wanted to make a difference. He has a wife. He has children. Um, I believe when he was on this case, his first kid was like seven months old and he was just dedicated. And I have to say, he's got really good gut feelings. Like I would trust him with some things. I don't know what those things are, but... (laughs) with some things okay like you know anyway (laughs) i don't know what to say i was gonna say like i was i would trust him with my murder but like i don't want to jinx myself or anything (laughs) yeah yeah so they set up a tip line because they're like this is absolutely insane so if you guys have any idea who this person could be like give us a call so they set up a tip line the town is going insane bethesda is going insane two attractive young retail workers i mean this is a shit show literally to the point where sales dropped 50 percent on bethesda row nobody was coming to get ipads anymore they were like fuck an ipad i can order it online i don't need to go like literally people were not going self-defense sales went all the way up in this town it was insane i mean this just doesn't happen and they said that the villains that are part of this they're like villains from the movies like think about it like it's crazy you're not even just talking about robbers the police and so yes like about about the crime scene right the 300 wounds, was he trying to torture her or she? he is trying to kill her, just like taking his time with it? So it seems like torture is involved because even think about like all the things that were said to Brittany. You know, it's very torturous. Right. So it seems like these are sadistic little mother forkers. So they right? came in to the store or came, they came mm-hmm. out that night ready to do some crimes like that. Maybe. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. I like that you're asking questions. 
let's see where you think that this is going to go. <laughs> and so that's when they're like, OK, we need to talk to this Apple store. So Detective Dimitri goes to that Apple store and he starts looking at the cameras. And no, can you believe no other shops had cameras but the Apple store? And that's when they see two men in frame. They're like, shut the front door. This can't be it. This is literally exactly what Brittany was saying. There's one taller than the other. Uh-huh. One short dude, one tall dude. They're both wearing all black clothing. It was around 10 p.m. And they ha- one of them had a backpack on. This was around the timeline of when the attacks happened. Yeah. They were also walking away from the direction of Lululemon. There's no evidence that they walked out of Lululemon. Like the police tried everything. They even tried to do like shadow work. So they like went at night and tried to open the doors of Lululemon to see if a shadow was cast or anything when they left. Yeah. Right. But they couldn't find anything. It just was out of frame. Did they they, get their face? They couldn't get their face. They were wearing like beanies on their head, which could have been ski masks. Okay. Right? So he's like, are you kidding me? This is literally around the same time frame that they should be walking out of the Lululemon store. And they're quickly walking away from the crime scene. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Like this has got to be the people, right? Yeah. They're like, this is perfect. Like this is the exact description of what we were looking for. Now, let me tell you something of the exact description that you're looking for. Uncommon goods. Listen, I've been using uncommon goods for just getting myself things. Honestly, people use them for gifts. Um, <laughs> OK, let me explain. If you've never heard of uncommon goods, they help you find the just right thoughtful gifts for all of the people on your list, because why would you get the person that you love just a generic mug with their freaking name initial? Gifts are hard, especially with the holidays coming on. You don't want to like give someone a gift and they're just like oh and their shoulders go up and they're like oh it's it's yeah no i love it gift cards that's so lame okay people don't want gift cards they want personalized stuff meaningful stuff no matter who you're shopping for uncommon goods has the perfect gift they have kids gifts kitchen home and bar they've got art they literally have this one thing that i'm obsessed with they have a bubble tea kit that you can do you can make your own cheese you can make your own hot sauce they also have these like crazy little storm glasses oh my gosh and they also don't just put anything on their website they look for products that are high quality unique and often handmade or designed in the u.s so you'll always find something that's meaningful and always out of the ordinary with every purchase that you make at uncommon goods they also give a dollar back to a nonprofit partner of your choice which is amazing and they've already donated more than two million dollars to date and right now for a limited time to get 15 percent off your first gift go to uncommongoods.com slash rotten that's 15% off your first gift, whether that's to yourself or to somebody else. <laughs> Go to uncommongoods.com slash rotten. Literally, we just had a, a water pause and my fiance is like, I was not expecting this. I tell you, I'm like, you talk like a 50 year old now. <laughs> I mean, this literally this case is so rotten. But they start interviewing the workers at Apple because they're like, OK, well, like if the security footage isn't going to give us all this information, maybe some of you guys can. Who closed here that day? Like, how long did you guys stay? Were you here around 10 p.m.? And Jane was one of the employees at the store. And Ricardo, I believe, was the manager at the store. They also uh-huh. had a security guard who was there. And uh-huh. so all of them were like, oh yeah we were here we were closing that day and they're like well did you hear anything crazy because i mean we're talking about a savage brutal murder and an assault how can you guys share a wall and so jane who was the employee there she was like yeah i mean i heard screaming i heard squealing i heard banging and i thought because it was a friday night that the noises were coming from the street but then but then 
I went into the back room and the noise continued. So I was like, well, it can't be from the street because I'm in the back room right now. And she could hear all of these like weird noises. They were like high pitched screams, lower pitch gruntings, some dragging noises, some yelping, some hysterical oh, sounds. No. I mean, it was a lot. So then she decided to st- tell her Apple store manager. So she's like, hello, Ricardo, can you help me? Because um, I think the screams are coming from next door from Lululemon. So he's like, what screams? So he walks into the back room and he listens and he can hear screams screams and he tries to get closer so he puts his ear up to the wall that they share with lululemon and he said and i quote he heard agonized breathing agonized breathing okay he can't hear breathing yeah like agonized like <sighs> like something like that but you know? that's a lot yeah to hear and so then this i'm laughing because of how nasty this is okay um he decides to just bang on the wall like an annoyed neighbor and the noises stopped for a little while. So they just went about their merry way. They thought they were doing it? No, they just didn't know what it was. They were just like, like you know how when you're like loud and your neighbor's like, hey, shut up in there, right? But what is he exactly. expecting? Exactly. That's Maybe why he's I'm expecting so they're like doing some nasty. Actually, no. He was interviewed and he said that he felt like it was just coworker drama. And I quote, and I quote, he said coworker drama like yeah it just sounded like you know maybe they dropped a clothing rail which was like the banging noise and they got into like a little catty fight oh my goodness and then when they banged on the wall the noises kind of stopped for a little bit now jane says that she heard two voices one of them saying please don't do this to me just talk to me just talk to me please and then another one possibly the same girl she doesn't remember god help me god help me she heard all of that yeah they never called 911. They How? never sent their. I mean, this is the crazy thing. Like, okay, what people were saying, you know, why don't you just send the Apple security guard? Fine. Maybe that's against company rules. You'll get fired. Why don't you call 911? Literally, what's the worst that can happen? They show up, they realize it's just girl drama and they leave. Like, what could be the worst yeah, thing that happens? That. I don't know. Maybe this is similar to, um, you know, the airplane thing. Mm. Like, you always look for your senior manager's yeah. approval on whatever action if your manager's like oh no big deal yeah then you're way less likely to call to call or do any actions on your own it's so but that's crazy. pretty nuts to hear yeah those conversations still expecting yeah nothing's yeah. going on especially like okay for me like i I never, I never shit on people for not doing something in times like this because you just never know. Like, what if sh- they felt like they were putting their lives in danger, right? But in situations like this where you're literally not putting your life in danger and all you have to do is call 911 and say, hey, someone's next door and it sounds crazy. Like, you literally don't even have to stay. You don't yeah. even have to be like, I'm going to wait for the police to get here. You can just leave about your merry way and police yeah. will hopefully follow up on it. Yeah, but to me, this sounds like the girl was suspecting Concerned, something, yeah. but the manager thought it was just drama. So no action was taken and what kind of explanation is the drama <laughs> like That's crazy i never heard two retail workers get into like a catty fist fight like that just after closing yeah. i honestly think the sex scenario would be more believable yeah if he was like oh i thought they were just like doing it exactly. after closing or something yeah like that i could understand but really just co-worker drama 
Anyways, so the police are starting to piece together the timeline. So they realize that Jaina had actually called Rachel, the other manager, at around 10 p.m. saying, hey, we just locked up and I'm on my way home. So Rachel didn't know that she went back to go get the wallet. So this was on her first initial trip out of Lululemon, right? Mm -hmm. And she drove back. Apple employees started hearing like the banging and the screaming around 10, 10 10.05-ish maybe, Mm -hmm. right? And so they assumed that's around the time that they broke in. So Rachel was able to check the alarm system around 945. The alarm was set and they left the the store Mm -hmm. and around 1007, I believe the alarm was disarmed. So Mm -hmm. we have the time frame between somewhere around that time to like 1030. Right. Right. Wow. So the main suspects. Those two dudes. Yeah. Those two dudes in the security cameras. So the police are like, we have no idea who these two dudes are. We can't even see their face. We can't see anything. There's no defining markers that we can like think of. You know, we didn't see them go to their car. We can't follow them with any more cameras around the street. So why don't we just stake out Lululemon and Bethesda Road and see if they come back? You know, some people, sometimes criminals who are this disgusting and this evil, they might think that they got lucky since they haven't been caught. So why don't we try robbing another store? Right. They might be that ball. Honestly, it seemed like they really had no leads to go on. So they were just like, let me just just stake out Lululemon, right? To see if the two guys would show up again. And they freaking did. They showed up again. So the police are immediately like, both of you, what the fork, right? They're like, you need to come in. You need to get questioned. We're taking you into the police station. So they bring in both of the men. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. What happened? They were just casually walking. During business hour? Yeah. And so they're like, what wait, the wait, heck? Wait, wait, wait. Just walking on the street or going into Lululemon? No, walking on doing? Bethesda Road. Just during business hour? Yeah. And, and the police was like, you two look suspicious. Yeah. They were like, you literally matched the same description. One's tall, one's short. They were both wearing black again. Oh, and so they were like, same outfit. Yeah, same outfit. They were like, what the heck? So they bring him into the police station. They sit them down in the interrogation room. They pull out that security footage from Apple and they're like, is this you? Uh-huh. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, this is you? Yeah, that's us. Wh- where were you going? Wh- what kind of outfits are you wearing? Uh-huh. And they're like, what do you mean? We're busboys at the local restaurant. Shut we literally up. got off our shift and we were headed out. And we walked the same way because we live in the same direction. So the police are like, nah, nah, you better sit down. And they call all of the people at the restaurant and it's confirmed. They are busboys. They were working that night. They do walk home together all the time. But are they... Their time was accounted for. Yeah. So they never disappeared. They never disappeared. So the police are like, hmm. are you ca- Imagine that one of them was even wearing a backpack. Is that not crazy? Like, imagine yeah. the odds. Both of them, one of them is tall. One of them short. They're both wearing black. They both have, one of them has a backpack. One of them is wearing, um, both of them are wearing the little beanies that look like ski masks that could be pulled down you know uh, on top of their heads like yeah. what are the odds of that i mean i guess I mean, the black, black for being a bus boy common, is yeah. common in the restaurant business but like the odds of like that short one that tall one and the timing and just all of it and the fact that their faces weren't seen on the security cameras like it just was insane they were like what are the odds and then it's just gonna get even crazier with coincidences because they finally get a call from the tip line that seems pretty pretty solid and it's about a homeless man by the name of Keith Lockett. All of the locals are like, you need to go look for Keith. I don't know what's wrong, but I think Keith had something to do with those Lululemon murders. He's known to be violent. He's known to just aggressively pursue and try to make sexual advances on women just all the time. He's known to be just a very aggressive person and he hangs out at this local bar every single night. Like Keith is 
consistent in trying to make sexual advances on women that are unwanted and hanging out this bar every night. Like, that's his thing. That's what he's known for. He's always at that bar every single night, except, except he wasn't there the night of the murder. Huh. Dun, dun, dun. That's when, you know, people are like, huh, very interesting. In the night of the murder, he was also seen. So Keith is um, black, but he was seen hanging out with some short white dude. So they were like, ah, this could be the duo. And Keith is known to not have friends because, like I said, he's pretty violent and aggressive. So people don't really necessarily want to be friends with him. So he's a bit of a loner, even at this local bar. Like nobody's trying to hang out with Keith, right? Yeah. And so they were like, suddenly that night we had seen him walking around town with this short dude. So we were like, oh, my God, that's weird. I didn't know he had friends. And people had remembered that. So the police are like, huh, that is very interesting indeed. And that's when they start looking for Keith. Now, because, like I said, he was homeless. He doesn't necessarily have an address that they could just just like drive up to and be like open up police right yeah. um so they actually just were searching around looking around and that's when they found around 10 miles away from bethesda which is again weird because keith is a local man he never leaves bethesda he mm-hmm. was checked into a hospital he was bloody and he was beaten so they go they check him out and his claim was that he got into a fight with another homeless man and they're like okay interesting they start talking to him and that's when detective dimitri realizes that this is not the dude i mean this person is absolutely not capable of carrying out that attack that attack was vicious it was orchestrated it was not they just didn't think that keith had the brain power like that's what they said okay Okay. Which I think is weird because I don't know necessarily if there's so much brain power in this crime itself. But maybe like the way that they get away without any trace. Oh, yeah. I guess that makes sense, yeah. right? And they also sent his um, clothes, his few blood splatters on his clothes to forensic testing. So he did have blood on his clothes, which, you know, the police were so excited about at first. But they also realized that it just was not enough. Mm. Like if you were walking out of this attack, you would literally be a horror movie scene. You're not just yeah. like walking out with like little period stains, okay? Yeah, and I wonder how they actually got out and got away with yeah. all of it. And so this was another flop and another big coincidence. That's when the shoe was found. So they had found a shoe just on the top shelf of the store of the crime scene. And the top part of it was splattered in blood, but the bottom of the shoes had been cleaned like they'd been washed of blood. So what? the bottom part where you actually step on the ground was clean, but the top was splattered in blood. So yeah. they're like, no way. So it was a perfect match to the footprints found inside of the store. So they're like, oh my gosh, like this is kind of confusing Just one us. Shoe? Both of them. Oh. They were like, this is kind of confusing us because, okay, so they left barefoot, right? right? But that kind of makes no sense. Like, did they bring, like, do these, like, in that backpack, do they just bring another pair of shoes? Like, that's not really something criminals bring. Like, uh-huh. if you're robbing a store, that's probably not the first thing that you're going to go to. It's like, I need to bring an extra pair of shoes. And Lululemon doesn't sell shoes? So this Lululemon at the time was not selling shoes. I know now I think they sell shoes okay. at most locations. And so they decided to talk to Brittany again because, again, another just dead end they're like we literally have nothing right so they talked to britney she had actually gone home one day later from the hospital she only stayed in the hospital for a day and i quote it's because the doctor said that her wounds were pretty superficial so there was no like big damage done to her body Mm -hmm. and when they asked her everything about her story was the same they weren't really learning anything new they're like god what do we do what do we do right and they were just making her more hysterical because now she's retelling the story and she's hysterical visibly crying and like shaking so they're like fuck like we just made her emotional 
emotional again. Yeah. And there was one new detail, which whether she was suppressing or whether it was the trauma, we don't know, right? Mm -hmm. But it was the fact that she said that she at one point was pushed on top of Jaina's body. Mm -hmm. That the short dude had brought her over and like slammed her down onto Jaina's body. Mm -hmm. And she saw her, like all the blood. That's why she kept saying so much blood, so much blood. And they said that you're lucky that you're more cute and fun to fuck. Yeah, so that was, again, another traumatic thing, right? So they're like, ah, we have nothing new. So the detectives are like, this is just so traumatizing. And they leave. And that's when they ask Rachel, like, hey, um, do you guys, like, sell shoes by any chance? Um, we're looking for this shoe. I think it might have been left by the perpetrators. And Rachel is like, oh, like, we have those shoes at home or at Lululemon. We don't sell them, but we actually have size 14s because for men, when they try on, like, their pants – like their workout pants, they might need to be altered at the bottom. And so you need sneakers because sneaker heights are very different from, let's say, I don't know, flip-flops, right? Wait. To see where they get altered. The murderer came in with a pair of Lululemon try-on shoes? No, no. Either came in and then put those on. Oh, what? Yeah. They came in barefoot? Or came in with a different pair of shoes, took those oh. off and then put those on. Yeah. Because I guess when you are dealing with a lot of blood, it's a lot of footprints. And they lend them to people to try on to make alterations. And so then the police are like, what? That's very confusing. Now, Detective Dimitri. That means was, they know this, right? Yes. Detective Dimitri is getting bothered by a lot of issues. Uh -huh. A lot of things in this case are bothering him. None of them are huge red flags, but all of them just make it hard for him to sleep at night. So he's picturing this. Uh -huh. Right. The shoes, they're bothering him. Yeah. The shoes never left the store. Uh huh. There's also not four distinct footprints. There's only two. That's bothersome. Why? Because is it just really because Jaina never stood up once? Did Brittany never stand up once? They were just dragged around. And what about the second criminal? Where are his footprints? How are there only two distinctive footprints? That doesn't make sense. Second thing. He just, he thought it was weird that Jaina and Brittany's wounds were so different. I mean, yeah, you could say that one of the criminals is way more sadistic than the other and is maybe the ringleader to all of this. But you're talking about one of the most savage murders that he's seen in his, what, like, years of being a cop. Don't tell me. To someone who just has super superficial wounds. And then the other thing is that the person never brought weapons. Everything was from the store. All of the weapons, including the zip ties used to tie up the women, were found from inside the store. Now, the toolbox, that was from inside the store. Everything inside the toolbox, all the other weapons, the rope wasn't from inside the store. The t-shirt used to strangle Brittany was from inside the store. Everything was from inside the store. And the store itself in the back is not the most organized things. They don't just have a wall of supplies and it's just labeled zip ties and it's just labeled toolbox. Like first aid kits, fire hydrants, those are a little bit different, but like a toolbox, usually yeah. it's like someone in the store has to know where it is. Like if I walked into a Lululemon, walked straight into the back, it would take me some time to find a toolbox. Yes. Right? That's just weird. That's nuts. And the whole thing, this whole thing is nightmare chaos. This is literally straight out of a nightmare chaotic movie. 
But you're telling me that the criminals got up every two seconds to get a new weapon, got up to get zip ties, got up to find a toolbox, got up to do all of these things? The Apple Store employees also never mentioned hearing any men's voices. So what about the screaming of the racist, racist slurs, about the dirty whores, dirty bitches? I mean, if you can hear the screams of the girls, I mean, you're talking about very aggressive men. Yeah. And, you know, when you're talking about this whole new detail that she just added, dragging a person to a practically dead body of her coworker just to what? To mess with her? I mean, this person sounds like a sadist, right? Someone who tortures people and gets off on it. Yeah. So Detective Dimitri just didn't like Brittany's description of the men. They were literally the worst people out there. They were misogynist, rapist, racist, robbers, murderers, torturers, sadists. It's like you literally gathered every nasty criminal and just merged them into one being. Does that mean... Could this person really be out there? You know, this sounds more like a serial killer, right? Yeah. Than just a robber who happens to be a misogynist, rapist, racist, and a murderer, right? And a sadist and a torturer. This so, sounds like a serial killer. Uh-huh. And now you're saying not only is there one of these people, but there's two. They're working in a team. Uh-huh. Which so is like, less is likely. Weird. Yeah, just way less likely. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding this you. This is crazy. Yeah. So he's sitting there and he's thinking all these things and he's like, fuck, this is bad. And he's talking to his wife and he's like, you can't tell anyone that I'm even thinking this because I think I know who killed Jaina. And I could literally lose my career if I even question a sexual assault victim yeah. for murder. So he's yeah. like, fork what do I do? Uh-huh. Now, there is the issue of the car. Were you paying attention? Because there's a plot hole. Where's the illegally parked car that was illegally parked at the front of the store when they came in to get the wallet? Yeah. Technically, it should still be there. Jaina did not leave her keys in the car, right? Yeah. So why isn't it there? Why wasn't it there the next morning in the early hours of the morning when Apple employees and Apple, you know, people came in to freaking look and wait in line? Yeah. Why wasn't it there? Nobody had seen it there. So they're looking for this. And it was a very unique car, not in the maker model. But Jaina was actually a longtime Texas resident. So when she had moved to Maryland, she never changed her Texas plates. So she had Texas plates. So uh-huh. they weren't just normal, you know, Maryland plates. Yeah. Now, the police originally, they weren't freaking out about the car too much because they kind of assumed maybe the robbers had stolen it. Okay. But it didn't make sense with the security footage and everything like that. Uh-huh. And so one of the cops who was actually just in the department and wasn't necessarily working on this case, he was like, wait, I remember seeing the car. And he was like, I was literally driving around 12, um, the midnight, right? At 12 a.m. And it was just, I'm just driving. That was my job, right? <laughs> I don't know why I'm trying to justify this dude just driving. I'm like, excuse me, sir, what were you doing with our tax dollars at that time? I would like a detailed description. Uh-huh. He's like, I was just driving. And I drive past this random parking lot about three blocks away. And there was this car parked there. And I remember they had Texas plates because I thought that was unique. And I saw that the headlights were on and it looked like someone was in the passenger seat. But it was like 12 in the morning. So this was two hours after the attack. And then he drove what? back to that parking lot at around two in the morning and nobody was inside the car and the lights of the car were off. What? So confusing, no? 
That just made it ten times more confusing. So confusing. Let me tell you what's even more confusing. And this is also something that has been weighing on my mind, heavy, heavy in my heart. Listen, if you're an avid podcaster like me, you've probably listened to Wondery's show, Dr. Death. It came out in 2018 and it freaking shook everyone. It shined a light on the story of Dr. Dunch and the system failure that allowed him to maim and kill 33 patients in Texas. So now in 2020, journalist and host Laura Beale is back with a new story about a doctor who poisons his patients with drugs they didn't need to treat diseases that they didn't even have. Like I'm talking about a doctor who had over 500 victims before they were finally stopped by the FBI. A doctor who deserves the name given to him by his victims. Dr. Death. Season two of this podcast explores the story of Dr. Farid Fada, who for years diagnosed thousands of patients with cancer. He was one of the most well-respected oncologists in Michigan and his patients believed him. And I think it's just heartbreaking. They believed him when he told them that they needed chemotherapy and that they had cancer and they believed that he would save their lives. But he was lying about literally everything. I'm about to play you a brief clip from the show, but while you're listening, make sure to subscribe to Dr. Death Season 2 on Apple Podcasts. Imagine you're not feeling well, and it won't go away. A little fatigue, some achiness. A loved one tells you, go see a doctor. So, okay, you go to your doctor, and you get some blood work done. When the results come back, there are a few questions. Your doctor recommends you go see a specialist. My internal medicine doctor said, you know, hey, I sent my mom to him. He's world-renowned, Sloan Kettering graduate. A specialist who cares, who's attentive. You know, he had these very soulful eyes. Located in a state-of-the-art inviting office. It was a beautiful building, a beautiful office that had this lovely healing garden attached to it. The doctor takes one look at your lab work. He makes a face, and then he says three of the most horrifying words a patient can hear. You have cancer. You're devastated, but you're also grateful because you believe you caught it early and you're being treated by the best. I would say that his education and experience in Michigan is unparalleled, second to none. Dr. Farid Fata is a leading authority in the treatment of cancer in the US. Close attention, cutting edge treatments. My care has been phenomenal. The staff is warm and friendly. The care and the caring has just been amazing. All thanks to Dr. Farid Fata. Dr. Fata is just a godsend. There should be 150,000 at Dr. Fata's. But fortunately, it will turn out there's only one. Because after months of appointments, hours spent in chemo chairs, poison pumping through your veins, accepting that you might not survive, you learn something that you can barely comprehend. You don't have cancer. You never did, and you're not the only one. From Wondery, I'm Laura Beal, and this is season two of Dr. Death.
Since the first season of Dr. Death came out, we've received hundreds of tips about doctors who've abused our medical system. I still get a few every week. On season two, we've investigated the story that people have asked us about more than any other. A story about one doctor in Michigan who manipulated the system to terrifying ends and put hundreds of lives at risk. To hear the whole story, subscribe to Dr. Death Season 2 on Apple Podcasts, or you can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Download the app today. They find the car three blocks away at that same random lot. And this all happened by chance because the cop that had seen that car that night, he wasn't working on the case. So he happened to just walk by while everyone was like, oh, my God, like, where's the car? Like they were stressing out. And he was like, oh, I've seen that car before. (laughs) Uh So they find the car and it was in that random parking lot three blocks away. And the inside of that car, I mean, just blood smears everywhere. There was blood on the steering wheel, the handle. There was a Lululemon hat with blood all over it in the back seat. And the DNA of the blood showed that it was Brittany's and Jaina's blood. Now, the hat on the back seat, they were able to do like some DNA testing on it from like the skin uh-huh. that touches the forehead of the hat. Yes. And they realized that it's not Jaina's hat in Jaina's car. It was actually Brittany's hat in the back seat. And this was very, very interesting. Uh-huh. Right? Just keep that in mind. It's just very odd. Now, this along with one thing, because by this point, Detective Dimitri was like, I don't know, dude. I think Brittany's a little sus, okay? Brittany be sus. How is Brittany expecting to get away with that while there's a car full of evidence just parked completely offside. <laughs> yeah. Has she thought that through or that's just her way of cleaning up? No, when you hear her description for why that car is there, it's just going to boggle your mind. Oh, You're okay. going to really want to rip out your hair, right? Okay. Along with that, he actually had the forensic analyst to re-go over certain things, which was, you know, they keep all the zip ties of the crime scene. They kept every single zip tie that was scattered on the ground, that was found in the store, that was used yeah. to tie up the girls. And only one of them had this weird distinctive mark on them. Why would one of them have them? Think about it. Why would one, one of mark. Just like some sort of serrated oh, mark. Oh, fake. Why? Why fake? He used, she uses it to tie herself. How? How does she use it yes. to tie herself? Mm-hmm. Think. How would you tie your hands together in zip ties? Uh, how do I tie my zip? It's pre-tied. No. What? Zip ties. How would you tighten the zip ties? Use my teeth. <gasps> yes. They found a mark on one of them and it looked like teeth marks and only one of them had it. Oh my God. So they were like, okay, this looks like she freaking tied her little hands up in the air together, right? Which by the way, if you guys go Google it, um, in hindsight, maybe you could get a slight dark giggle if you guys are into dark humor out of it. But Brittany was found with her hands in the air. Did I, me- I mentioned that? Yeah, in the beginning. Her hands were yeah, tied up exactly. above her head. Yes. But they weren't tied to anything. So she was just laying there with her hands above her head. She could have easily moved them down. But she was just found like fucking... Wait, so she wasn't tied up. She could move completely. Yeah, I mean, she was tied together by herself. Like her hands were tied together and her ankles were tied together. But But she she said that she got knocked unconscious at the end. Oh, what? And when they found her, her hands were tied above her head. When it's just not a natural way to lay down. Like literally lay on your bed right now and then hold your hands, but then put them above your head. 
Yeah, that's weird. It's just weird, especially uncomfortable with zip ties. Yeah. It's so easy to bring them down. So just keep that in mind, right? So that's when Detective Dimitri tells the whole team about his suspicions about Brittany. And everyone's like, you know, you know for a fact that this could literally end our entire team's careers, right? Like not just you, not just me, but that fucking receptionist in the front, the janitor. I'm talking everyone, like everyone. This uh-huh. is this is one of the most high profile cases of Bethesda. And you want to be like, nah, there's not two victims. There's just one. Like, you're crazy. Shit, that's crazy. And so they're like, OK, like we need to try our best. We need to not question Brittany like a murder suspect, but just catch her in small lies. You know, mm. if we catch her in small lies, then we can move on to the bigger ones without anyone being like, oh, how dare you? What mm-hmm. are you doing? Yeah. And so that's when they decide to question her again. And the small lie that they were trying to catch her on was like, hey, have you ever seen Jaina's car? Like, do you know what it looks like? Do you know, like the color of it, the make, model, everything? And she said, well, I think I only saw it like once before mm-hmm. that night. I, I don't really. Not really. Mm-hmm. So she's like never giving you a ride home. You've never been inside of her car. <gasps> nope. Yeah. Oh I have gosh. never been inside of her car. Okay. Said Brittany Norwood. So she's they're like, then why is your hat and your blood in her car? Oh, shit. And she said, I don't know. And she said, but I got to go. <laughs> and she just practically just just like, OK, well, I don't really know what you're talking about. So bye. And I mean, it was really hard because that's not really a smoking gun. And again, like imagine if they're wrong imagine if they're wrong yeah. so even in a low profile case where it's just a suspect not even a victim you've got to be sure before you even try to do some crazy shit right but yeah. now think a victim high profile case you can't do this so they just kind of let her go for a second right mm-hmm. so she leaves the police station and this feeling is just growing inside of them and then finally all of a sudden they were gonna bring Brittany back in for another questioning but Brittany calls them up and she's like actually I'd like to call him because I, I remembered something you know I was showering and I remembered something about the crime this is the thing with criminals who are victims fake victims it's the fact that they just want to talk about it too much like sometimes they be doing the most no but she had to cover it up oh that's true yeah like she knows like imagine you walk out of police station yeah. and just being questioned all these things that you don't have an answer mm. to now your brain just constantly trying to make up something yeah. to make it work Yeah, well, her brain obviously doesn't work that hard because this is going to be the dumbest thing you've ever heard. Now, Brittany comes into the police station on her own free will, and she came with her older sister, Marissa, and her older brother, Chris, I believe. I believe they're older than her, but Marissa and Chris came with her. And they start questioning Brittany in the interrogation room alone, and she said that, actually, I I remember remember that night, so... They had said, you know, they're going to people are going to notice the car in the front. So they wanted me to look for Jaina's keys. And I found the keys and they told me to drive it away into a around the block and park it. Yeah. And they said that they were going to watch me from the store. And if I do anything or if I stop to talk to anyone, that they were going to kill me. And they're like, "Um, did one of them get in the car with you? No. <gasps> so you could have gone to the police. Actually, I I saw a cop drive by, but I was just so scared. So you could have done anything? No, I couldn't because they said that they knew my address. Wait, what? You never mentioned that before. These two random masked men who were robbing oh your store God. knew your home address? 
yes, they knew my home address. And they said that if I told anyone, if I even looked at someone the wrong way on my drive to that parking lot, they would kill me. That's so stupid. They would kill me. Okay. Um, oh what? My God. I, I just like love to see police <laughs> reaction when you interviewing someone yeah. <laughs> or interrogating someone who you knew damn well they're making up story just on the spot <laughs> the <laughs> interrogation tapes are released it's really good are you serious it gets worse okay and then so she's sitting there and they're like um so how did you get back to the little like you literally okay first of all is I she mean, like making up this shit on the spot no then? it seems like she went home and made this up and like that's what's oh. even crazier the fact that she went home and made oh, this up okay, got <laughs> the fact it. that she didn't even it's crazy okay. and so she they're like we're not even going to talk about the fact that she didn't call the police or anything like that okay like let's just i have no words i literally have no words no words okay so they're like so how did you get from the car to the lululemon store well i, I walked back <laughs> oh shit see so, so you walked three blocks from the car to the lululemon store and by this point you had you had the gash on your head right and like you were bleeding a little bit somewhere yeah mm -hmm. did you t for three blocks did you pass anyone on your way oh yeah but nobody nobody i guess cared Okay, so you saw people, you didn't ask them for help, and they didn't ask if you were okay because they didn't care. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, Brittany, why don't you just run us from the top again? Why don't you just tell us again exactly everything that's happened? And that's when they realized that for the third time, all of the little details in her story that first made her seem like a credible witness, uh -huh. they were all there exactly the same. That's weird. What do you mean? Police say it's alarming when your story changes. It's even more alarming when it almost seems like your story is the same word for word, detail uh, by detail, like the every word single use. time. Or mm. sometimes if you retell the story multiple times, you might omit a detail once in a while. Mm. But the fact that it's just exactly the same, yeah, that's a little weird. And so finally, there's two cops in the room. One of them just goes, listen. You got to tell us what really happened because I know what really happened. Brittany says, I, I told you what happened. No, no, no. What you've done is you've concocted an incredible story that just doesn't make sense. Your injuries are self-inflicted. It's incredible that you want me or anyone to believe that you're just lying with your hands over your head like this overnight that's posed you know that right nobody's gonna believe this story nobody he doesn't believe it my boss doesn't believe it i don't believe it when i tell your sister and your brother outside they're not gonna believe it when i go and call your mom and dad they're not gonna believe it and her response to all of this is can i just go home what and so the police are like oh my lordy so they go outside and the police present all of the evidence first to the sister marissa and marissa she looks at all the evidence and she almost like loses it 
like it seems like she believes it she just starts crying she just they can't really use her to help with the case right now chris on the other hand her older brother is presented with all of this evidence and he's like yeah it's not really convincing you know there must be a reason for all of this i don't really believe you right believe who the sister no the police they're like yeah well i mean yeah she seems a little sus but she's definitely not the imposter you know it's just like i get why you think that but nah like there's so many things that Yeah, it's just not, I don't believe you. So Chris Mm. is not believing the police, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's when they bring in Chris into Brittany's interrogation room. And the whole time, they're still telling Chris, no, like your sister murdered Jaina. And the whole time, Brittany's either denying it or she's just staying silent. And at one point, Brittany looks really emotional. So the cops are like, okay, this is our time. Let's go. So the police leave Chris and Brittany alone. I'm so upset by this. What do you mean? Like in the middle of the conversation, they see she's getting emotional. Like she's just staring at the ground, but she looks emotional. So they want to leave them to talk. Yes, because they have, you guessed it, video cameras and everything, right? So they want to see if something will happen, right? Because if she's emotional, she might tell it to her brother and not the police. And that's still evidence? Yes. Now, what's crazy to me is that if you go into an interrogation room, don't you for one freaking second think that you're not being recorded. Mm. Okay? Like, you could walk into a store and they could be recording you, okay? You better believe that the interrogation room is recording you. They probably have a microphone on your fucking chair. They could probably hear when you fart. Listen, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. they had no idea so the cameras and the mics were picking everything up and there was just a team full of police officers in the next room watching this like i'm just imagining a tiny little scream and just like 50 people watching it like it was a lot of people Isn't watching like two-way it. one-sided mirror or something i don't think they had the one-sided mirror oh, okay <laughs> Okay. and so the cameras are recording all of this and britney the whole time can be heard saying do you think they're recording us Do you think they can hear us? Do you think they're listening to us? And Chris looks at her and so confidently says, no, I've looked. There's no recording devices in the room. Oh, yeah, Chris, because it's just going to like, she's going to be a big fucking little camera. It's going to be a YouTuber vlog set up with a tripod and everything. Like, really, Chris? Really, Chris? Oh, my God. And so Chris, the entire time he's sitting there and he's like, did you do this? And Brittany literally says, I don't want to talk about it here. I just we'll talk about it when we get home. And Chris is like, I'm fairly certain you're not leaving. Like, I'm pretty sure they're not going to let you go home. And she's like, I just don't want anyone to be disappointed in me. And Chris is like, I'll never be disappointed in you, right? I'm your family. I'm your brother, right? And he even says, Brittany, I'm not going to fucking rat you out, but you need to tell me because I don't think you're going home. And if we need a defense attorney, just tell me. It's going to be a media shitstorm. Just tell me. And so he even says, literally on camera, you have to tell me like that evidence is really convincing. I know I said in front of the police, it's not convincing. But like, Brittany, the evidence that they have on you is really convincing. And so the police are just in the next room like, (laughs) hell yeah, hell yeah. (laughs) And Brittany's just like, I don't know. I'm sorry. And that's when Chris goes, was it shoplifting? Which is a very odd reaction to have. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Say that one more time. Chris says, was it shoplifting? What does that freaking mean? What does that mean? Let me tell you what that means. So the police also did some digging, right? 
And I did some digging. And let me tell you about a story about when Brittany was on her college soccer team. This was the university team. This is a big deal. She finally made it onto this. She had worked all through high school to get onto this team all through college. This was the best thing ever. Her team was nice. They were all very amazing. They were all great athletes. There was so much team energy. And then there started to be locker room issues. Things started to go south because... A lot of the soccer girls on that team, they were suddenly missing some lip glosses here and there, some earrings here and there, some clothes here and there, some loose cash here and there, some wallets here and there. But it was weird because they realized we've never had this problem until we got the new girl, Brittany. And so they're like, you know what? Let's just confront her because we can't have this energy in our locker room. It's not good for our games. It's not good for us as a team. And so they confront Brittany and she completely broke down. She apologized over and over again. And the whole team, they forgave her. But I mean, definitely they just stopped really hanging out with her. They didn't hang out with her outside of practice. She didn't actually even get to play as much because nobody really trusted her anymore. So anytime she was out on the field, there was just like this mistrust between the teammates, which is just really bad, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems like it was adrenaline mode motivated because like i said her family was doing well like if she wanted things like small things she wasn't stealing fucking cartier earrings from the red carpet she was just stealing like literal just tiny little earrings some hoop earrings here and there some clothes some lip gloss lip gloss that's crazy and so she had a falling out with all of her teammates and this just took a very big mental toll on her now another story you have to know about Brittany is her hairdresser story. So Brittany had stolen a full weave of hair from the salon that she goes to. A full set of hair. How are these stories like shared? By police or by families? By the people who came forward and talked uh, about it afterwards, right? Okay. And um, I mean, it's crazy. Like, how do you steal a weave from the salon? And it was put into her head. She's like, okay, listen. <laughs> the hairdresser is explaining that she had installed all of the hair into Brittany and everything was going really well. Then when it came to the payment time, Brittany was like, oh, my God, I had left my purse in your little waiting room and someone stole a thousand dollars worth of cash from my wallet. What kind of hair salon is this? This is disgusting. I can't even trust to put my oh, my God. God, was it an employee? Was it another customer? And so the hairstylist, she was so embarrassed and she felt so bad that she just kind of let her go. And Brittany was like, you know what? Thanks. Like, I'll come back with some money later, but you should really check the cameras or something like that. Right. And so the hairstylist is like, that is so weird. So she starts talking to her manager like, hey, do you think that one of the employees is stealing? You know, I was working with this client, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And they checked the cameras. Nothing had happened. They also talked to the receptionist who was just sitting there in front of the purse the whole time. Never got up. So it wasn't like another customer had just dig, dug into her wallet. Yeah. But also, who leaves their purse in the waiting area? I've never heard that. Oh, it's not one of those check back sections. No, she just like left it on a chair. Oh, that's weird. So, like, all of it was just weird. And so she was like, it's okay. But, like, she said that she was going to bring me, like, money. I think she, like, gave her a little bit of a discount for all the inconvenience. Mm -hmm. But she was going to bring me the money. But she never came back and blocked them on Facebook and, like, any other forms of communication. Okay. This is really weird. Really weird, right? 
And then Brittany in 2007, she actually got into a relationship with a dentist that lasted for a little over a year. And he came out to the police and said that during that entire year, she constantly physically assaulted him. And then he ended up getting a new girlfriend and she would stalk him and the new girlfriend. The new girlfriend moved into the house that he lived in and Brittany literally broke into the house that they lived in and stole a watch, clothing, jewelry, a phone and some other things. They both filed a restraining order. Yeah, they both filed a restraining order and they were granted. So the police had, you know, an idea about all of this that was going on because it's all on her record. And then two weeks later, even with that restraining order, the dentist and his girlfriend walk out of the office holding hands and she's just sitting in front of the office in her car watching them at the dentist's office and it's not even like a dentist's office that's like in a big mall right Wait, so she's more than just shoplifting yeah she's also a stalker yeah and so they rush back into the office and they're like we got to come up with a plan okay like put your little keys between your fingers you know all of that little self-defense stuff and then we're gonna book it to our car so they book it to the car and they're like thank god and they start driving when they see that britney is following them so they're like oh my gosh so they make it home they had called the police and the police come up and they it was like a brief thing there was like an arrest warrant an arrest warrant out for her in 2008 yeah she had an arrest warrant out for her Uh uh-huh and so the interrogation continues now that you know about the whole shoplifting thing because it was so confusing just to watch the interrogation and him be like was it the shoplifting like what do you mean like that's not a like could you imagine your someone's like your sister just killed someone and they're like is it this shoplifting like yeah. wh- that's not a good question what to ask chris and so chris literally asks why did you fight her what did she do to make you fight her what so, kind of wait, question wait, wait. Is so that? let's rever- so he asked is it the shoplifting yeah did she respond she said no she said no oh, and then chris goes why did wh- you fight her then so Chris is right now is already assuming that she killed yeah, her. Yeah. And he's also like, what did she do to make you fight her? It makes it seem like Jaina did something so horrendous that warranted Brittany to stab her 331 times plus more. Right, right, right. Brittany was just heard saying, no, I really forgot my wallet. This is very pertinent to trial later, right? And Chris says, so she caught you stealing. And she says, no, I really forgot my wallet. And that's when Chris looks at her and he says, okay, I have a plan. This is, I'm not even telling. (laughs) He says, I have a plan. First of all, you can't plead insanity because you've talked to too many people. All these police and all those doctors know that you're not insane. Um, Number two, we have to somehow lie and make it seem like she attacked you. So I don't know how you're going to work this story because you already tried to cover it up. It's going to be really hard. We're going to need a really good defense attorney. And we're going to make it seem... This is so embarrassing. Yeah, it's really embarrassing. And we're going to make it seem like she attacked you. Okay. Can you imagine? And Brittany starts crying and she just says, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. A lot of people on Reddit had a problem with this one. Why? Because like, I didn't know what to do with something you say when you freeze like you have a yeah. moment of like but like i didn't know what to do so i just stabbed her Ta- 350 yeah. what's the problem what's her deal with that like she literally went on a torture spree yeah and she just said that Jaina said she'll tell a manager that's all she said in the interrogation room we're gonna find out everything that happened but Holy i think fuck. it's just crazy that she said i didn't know what to do so i went and got 10 different weapons and i stabbed her and tortured her 
how do you sleep at night when you know stuff like this? You know, how do you sleep at night knowing that there's someone out there who's like, I didn't know what to do, so I just stabbed them. But I have a secret weapon. Maybe weapon is not the thing to say. Helix sleep. Just those two words are going to change your sleep. They're going to change your life. They're going to change the way that you. There's no more of going to that weird mattress store and then laying on a mattress that you probably feel like people have coughed over, laid on. And then you just awkwardly lay there while there's like a sales associate just like breathing next to you. And you don't have to do that anymore. Helix Sleep has a quiz that just takes two minutes of your time to complete. And it matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Every single body is unique. And Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. They've got a soft mattress, a medium, a firm mattress. They also have mattresses that are great for cooling you down when you sleep because that's my fiance. They also have Helix Plus mattress for plus size. I took the Helix quiz and I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. <laughs> I like to sleep on my side, which did you know that Helix has mattresses that are dedicated to side sleepers? I mean, it's a huge upgrade to what I used to have and the delivery and setting up was so fast. So if you guys are looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you're matched to and the mattress comes right to your door shipped for free. You don't ever have to go to that store. Helix is awesome, but you don't need to take my word for it. They were a Awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired magazine. They also have a 10 year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk free. They'll pick it up for you if you don't like it. But trust me, you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash rotten. And then Chris says something else that's just beyond dumb. That's just so beyond So Chris looks at Brittany and he says, every time you lie, you look down to the left, which means you're lying. So look to the right when they talk to you. Like when they ask you a question, when you answer it, you should look to the right. Like, why don't you look at that red button over there? I know this. Trust me, because I lie all the time. He literally said that. I cannot. (laughs) (laughs) This is ridiculous. So like, first of all. First of all, oh the fact God. that you just say that proudly, like, I know this because I lie all the time. And the second of all, that he thinks that this, this is like, I have so many pickles to pick about this. This whole looking to the right or the left thing. I've seen so many. There's this one person who actually breaks down, like even a forensic analyst yeah. who break down stuff, not just body language, but they also break down like blood spatter and how there's so much room for error. It's just like such a weird YouTube Ty Lopez type of. um. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's not one size fits all. Yeah, he's like, look to the right. So they'll think that you're innocent. Like, that's exactly what he's. I feel like at this point, all the cops are just like, okay, let's just sit here for two hours (laughs) and see what else happens. Right. They're like, we might even end up arresting the brother by the end of this. (laughs) arresting chris too because he's oh just my God, I can't. <laughs> like it's just a lot and so finally at the end of that britney was arrested because by this point they had a lot of evidence even the fact that she was you know when you're behind closed doors and you assume that the cops aren't listening and someone asks you if you murdered someone and you just say we'll talk about it when we get home that's uh, just not good yeah. and they thought that she was a huge flight risk so they arrested her on the spot now bethesda when they find out about this this town I mean, this is turning into a shit show. So during all of this, during the process of arresting her, 
-hmm. and trying to find the perpetrators, the murderer, mm -hmm. there were like no women closing at night. Like all of the women in most of the retail stores on Bethesda Row were opening shifts. Some of them were so scared, traumatized. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. And it seemed so random and just chaotic. And if it could happen to Lululemon, it could happen to freaking anywhere. Yeah. So they're freaking out. And now they're realizing, wait, that victim that all of these retail workers and just regular community people were rallying behind was the murderer. We thought we were looking for some fucking racist, okay? For some freaking robbers, some rapist, some mur And you're telling me it was just Britney. It was just one of the girls. Like how yeah. the... Uh, I can't believe this. It was insane. And Brittany is a pretty petite girl, which really scared a lot of people because I think honestly that the police just didn't as didn't even cross their mind in the beginning it could be Brittany because how tiny Brittany is. I mean she's athletic, but she's she's small. Now Jaina's family found out about Brittany's guilt and all of this on their way to Jaina's funeral. And this shattered oh. and horrified their family because the family actually wanted to send Brittany flowers at the hospital to thank her for trying to save their daughter and to let her know it's not your fault. Like, don't have survivor's guilt. And we sympathize with what you're going through. But Brittany told them that she didn't want any flowers, so they didn't. But they were just horrified at the fact that they felt for this girl, that they were emotional for this girl, that they even felt thankful, like, that she, you know, because she said that she tried and it was all her fault and she felt so bad and there was so much blood. So Brittany was, you know, in jail for seven months awaiting her trial and all of her phone calls were recorded. And guess what? All she talks about is her hair and nails. Oh. Seven months in prison, she's just like, God, I just want to get my nails done again. God, my hair is so messy. I just need, I just need more hair. Like, I don't know what's going on with my hair. Uh, they don't give me enough hair products in here. Uh, they don't give me nail polish in here. Okay. The police were shocked that for seven months, all of her phone calls were practically just about her hair and nails. They were just <laughs> like, this is, this is insane, right? That's so weird. Now, everyone wanted her to be charged with first-degree murder, and they were trying to seek life in prison without the possibility of parole, which is the harshest punishment that they could get, right? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it was insane because it's just, who's to say that nobody's going to do this again to her? Like, what happened here was not this crazy once-in-a-lifetime incident this is literally someone accusing her of shoplifting and she savagely murders them and that's literally what life is is like people disagreeing with you and maybe sometimes accusing you of small things that you didn't do and you don't go and you brutally stab them yeah exactly so is that end of the story oh no we're going to the trial so Jaina's family was actually given the option of a plea deal to offer britney because they were like listen if it's too much to sit through this trial like you're gonna hear about everything in this trial every every wound we're probably going to go over it where well, you're going to hear everything. And Jaina's family said that they needed it. They needed the full trial and they needed to know exactly what happened. So the trial starts and there was a lot of just shocking jaw dropping moments. So first of all, this was not the first Lululemon that Brittany was working in. Brittany had actually worked at the Georgetown location and she was fired for suspected shoplifting. Uh huh. What is her issue? 
I think it's a, just a mixture of things. I wouldn't say that it's 100% adrenaline based. I would say it's a mixture of her just being really materialistic. Mm. I think it's also the fact that, you know, she was working at Lululemon. They don't, they're not known to pay a lot. Mm. And all of her family members, I don't, I think they were getting sick of her shit. Like she was 28. All of her other siblings were like freaking business consultants, you know, engineers. Mm. And I think it was hard for her to ask her family for money for all the expensive things that she wanted. I see. Yeah, it was weird. Well, maybe that's why she's mentioning her hair and nails. The Bethesda store actually had a whole thing ready to fire her. They had talked to upper corporate levels of Lululemon, the managers, and they were just waiting to catch her in the act of stealing so that they could fire her. Because firing someone is not an easy task. I mean, you're talking about possible potential lawsuits. You're talking about lots of crazy, weird unemployment shit that could go down. So they're just like, if you think that she's stealing, you need to make sure like you can't just accuse people of doing that mm-hmm. and all the girls that she was working with like they were getting frustrated because they're like every day i leave anything in the break room i'm missing money i'm missing things out of my purse you know one of the girls said that she was wearing this new perfume that she had brought to work i mean that's very normal i would bring perfume to work too when i worked in retail so she was wearing this new perfume she had it in her purse Brittany walked by and was like you smell really good today and she was like oh thank you i got a new perfume and that day at the end of her shift her perfume was missing from her purse that's ridiculous so she's like are you serious but obviously she can't accuse britney and then the next like i think it was like a day or two later she's back on her shift she goes into the break room and she sees that perfume sitting in britney's purse i mean what's the coincidence that britney loves her perfume it goes missing and now britney has perfume yeah i mean sure maybe britney went and bought her own perfume but i highly doubt it and so the other girls are like god we're missing like money and all these things and britney was being watched so prior to this murder like the night before all the managers had a conference and they said that the minute that she gets caught she's getting fired they just didn't have cctv footage crazy now that night Jaina actually was not supposed to be working that shift. She had um, swapped with another manager. Uh-huh. And so Jaina just happened to be the manager on that shift. It could have been any manager, honestly. And Jaina, so what they do in retail, well, in some places, I think I did this only in like one or two places of the places that I worked. You just open your bag. Like if you brought a lunch bag or a purse, you open your bag and all the closing shift, they all look around into each other's purses. We don't like go through it and like stick our hand in there and be like, what's that? What's that? Right. But we just kind of look through it and it's like, OK, well, like, let's hope that you didn't fucking steal a necklace in there. Right. Uh-huh. And you know, it's just kind of a glance that you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i sound so suspicious i sound like i didn't do my job well i'm like i'm just kidding i questioned them i strip searched them i'm just kidding mm-hmm. and so they were doing that when Jaina checked her bag and it was a quick glance and she's like wait a second are those uh black yoga pants in your bag and she said yeah I, I bought them today and she's like oh can i see so this was also very common in retail is that if you buy something from the store you have to keep your receipt because that night when you leave you show people the receipt like oh i actually am a paying customer today you know this story is told by her this story is told by the other managers because they actually got a call on Jaina's way home the first time oh my gosh yeah, yeah. oh my gosh okay and so Jaina had seen that she had black yoga pants in her bag. So she's like, oh, can I just see a receipt for those? And she's like, oh, well, I don't have my receipt. And the yoga pants still had their tags on. And so she's like, um, OK, like, did you steal these? 
Brittany's like, no, no, I literally bought them today. You can you can call this other manager. Like, I literally bought them from her today. I swear. And so Jaina goes, okay. And she calls her. Oh, my God. The In other manager is like, uh, no, like that never happened. That transaction, you can look it up in the system. That never happened. So she tells Brittany that she's going to have to tell the manager, Rachel, who was opening the next day. And I'm really sorry, but I have to tell Rachel. Uh-huh. It's just it is what it is. And they go their separate ways. And Jaina told Brittany, like, we're going to deal with this tomorrow with Rachel. And yeah, I'll just see you tomorrow. Now, that's when a little bit later, Brittany calls Jaina back saying that she forgot her wallet. Oh, my gosh. The police believe that this shows another level of premeditation. Yes. She's just frantically thinking about how do I get Jaina back? How do I get Jaina back? Right. And if you really think about it, she's killing someone over a pair of yoga pants. Over a pair of Lululemon yoga pants. That's fucking crazy. This is one of the most insane yeah. reason to murder someone. Right. And the prosecutor and the police, they had to work down the timeline. And they said that the crime probably began um, with Jaina being hit on the back of the head with what seems to be a metal rod. And then they suspect that Jaina ran towards the front of the store, knocking things over. That's why you have some disarray in the front of the store. Mm. Caught by Brittany before she could reach the front door. And then that's when Jaina escaped and ran to the back. And during all of this running, Brittany was like cutting her up. And so she was bleeding everywhere. And that explains the blood bloody handprint on the back door with the key inside so i guess maybe you know she's trying to leave mm-hmm. and then she was dragged into the hallway where she was savagely murdered then after she was murdered britney went to move Jana's car because it was parked in a no parking zone and it would be noticed drove to a block a lot three blocks away sat in the car for what we can determine to be about an hour coming up with her plan goes back into the lululemon puts on those men's shoes because she's thought about it in the car okay how do i get it how do i get away with this so she put on those little men's shoes 14 four, size 14 and re-walked over her footsteps so it mm. kind of made sense right mm-hmm. then she washed off those shoes put them back on the shelves threw some clothes around you know and then she proceeded to slash up her own body with the razor blade that's psychotic And then she tied herself up with zip ties and placed them over her head. Literally her tied up hands. She smashed her her head too. Yeah. And sat there till the morning. Mm Mm-hmm. Jaina's dad, who is a really big dude, he's a special forces soldier, or he was. So you're talking like buff, big man. And while he was listening to this, I mean, people were just so sad Because this just strong guy who like literally served our country and you're like, wow, he just looks so tough, right? His shoulders were just shaking and he was just sobbing. Jaina's family was just utterly broken listening to this. Just like utterly broken. Why did she torture her though? I don't know. She just seems very evil and psycho. I I hate saying that because it sounds really almost like a like a casual term people throw around. But I think she has psychopathic tendencies. And I don't know what that stalker story, like how this would relate to her person. She's got issues. And I don't mean to say that and just like, oh, she's not. She's crazy. But like genuinely, I think she is a psychopath. 
crazy and her defense was that she just lost it and went nuts and it was just a crime of passion so her defense attorney was hoping that she would get second degree murder which is just not premeditated you lose control you're so angry what in the world you know but it just didn't make any sense the apple employees ended up testifying and the judge even told them straight up to their face like what the fork how can you ignore something like that like let that sit with you for the rest of forever like they the judge was not having it with those apple employees they were like oh you just thought it was little girl drama okay cool like what are you talking about wow now during all of this the judge went home one day and he grabbed something Uh and went to his table and he banged it on his table 331 times bang what on the table like a little stick oh he okay and he never paused he didn't chase anyone down. He didn't grab a new thing to bang on the table or a new weapon. And it took him over 10 minutes to bang that little stick on the table 331 times. And Jaina was alive for all of it. So imagine how long it took for her to go get a new weapon, go get a wrench, go get a box cutter, chase her down, grab her, hold her down. I mean, this must have taken quite some time She's literally torturing her yeah. co-worker and to this day we don't know exactly how long it took we just speculate it took a long time and the fact that the judge did this really i think played a huge toll and a huge just everything in the sentencing of it because the judge brought this up like it took me 10 minutes just to 331 times mm-hmm. like that's insane so the judge said, you know, to Brittany herself, you're a hell of a liar. And an entire community was terrorized because of you. And she was obviously found guilty. January 2012, sentencing began for Brittany and she was asking for mercy. She was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do it. And she she was like, judge, if you just give me a chance, which is crazy, because if you think about it, Like, Jaina was literally asking her, according to the Apple employees, like, let's just talk. She did not give Jaina a chance. I feel like, you know, like when Jaina was getting that phone call, if there's any suspicion of, Uh, oh, man, that's so alarming. Like, she's probably, that mm -hmm. girl was so defensive. She was so triggered earlier. Now she's, like, forgetting her wallet. Come back, this and that. I wonder if she's ever thought about, fuck, this might not be the best idea. Oh, God. Yeah. And so the judge looked at her and said that, yeah, thanks. But um, you're the representation of worst human behavior. Like if there was a poster child for disgusting human traits and human behavior, it's Brittany Norwood. So no, apology not really accepted, but thanks. And she was given life without the possibility of parole. At the Bethesda location, Lululemon, they actually have stained glass windows on the top of their storefront. So like the the like the part that you see immediately, they they have the, like the mannequins and stuff. But on top, they have this really beautiful stained glass, mm-hmm. and it sells it spells love in there. And that was a memorial for Jaina. And they also have a picture of her doing yoga inside as a memorial. Let me know in the comments, what are your thoughts on this? And like, how did she think she was going to I just have so many questions. The Apple employees, I got questions, okay? How did she think she was going to get away with this? I got questions. The car thing, I got the coincidences of those two dudes walking, the bus boys walking Mm -hmm. away. I got questions. I got so, and Chris, I want to know what Chris is doing these days. Let me know, what are your thoughts on this case? And 
Does this make you scared of your coworkers? I'm scared of mine, my co-host. I gotta go. I love you guys, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.